You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Well, Merry Christmas, Mosaic Church. My name is Brett Milliken, one of the pastors here. And I want to thank you for joining us online today as we are taking this Sunday off for meeting in person in order to give all of us time to spend with our families this post-Christmas morning. But I thank God for the technology that exists that allows us to still gather together online to celebrate God's goodness, God's faithfulness, and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading today is going to be from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now today we finish up our Christmas series titled The Wise Women of Christmas, where we've been seeing the beauty of Christmas through the lives of the amazing women who played such vital roles in this story of the first Noel. Today we'll be taking a deeper look at Mary's experience as she gives birth to Jesus and seeing what we can learn from the wisdom of this incredible young woman. You know, this coming Saturday, we will ring in the new year, 2022. It's crazy. And whenever another January 1st comes around, it tends to cause us to not only anticipate what is coming, what's ahead, but also to contemplate what's behind. And what's behind us are two of the most difficult years that many, if not all of us, have ever been through. We've had to deal with unexpected trauma, with loss, with isolation, the polarization of our society. I mean, be it the death of someone that we dearly love, the betrayal or rejection of someone we considered a friend. Online school has been a thing. Maybe your marriage has struggled or even come to an end, or maybe you've lost your job. And in general, people have just been kind of grumpy and mean for the last two years. I mean, in some way, each of us can look back over these last two years and ask the question, God, why? And honestly, I think that's the right question to ask, but I also think the motivation behind that question makes all the difference in the world. You see, there's a way to ask why that is rooted in foolishness, and there's a way to ask why that is rooted in wisdom. The first is an accusation of God made in an attempt to protect our own hearts, while the second is a clarification needed to help us better understand God's heart. So the last two years, I know that I've been tempted to ask this question from that place of foolishness. Why, God? 
Why would you do this to me? Don't you know this isn't easy? Don't you see all the good things that I've done for you and this is how you reward me? I mean, come on, God, don't you realize all this hardship is just bad press for you? As I've struggled with stuff, as I've watched some of my closest friends struggle with stuff, my heart has wanted to accuse God for not knowing what was best. And I've wanted to ask, God, why? But by the grace of God, my heart, and I think our hearts can be turned away from that reaction that wants to accuse God to a response of wisdom that seeks clarity from God. And I think what Mary shows us in our passage today can help us do that very thing. It can change our perception of the last two years from one of disdain to one of gratitude and faith for what God is doing in and through our lives. And what does Mary show us in this first Noel that can lead our hearts to that place of wisdom? Well, in Mary's journey, I believe we see three things that can help us when it comes to dealing with life's unexpected challenges. We see one, the labor of love, two, the birthing of promise, and three, the embracing of responsibility. So the labor of love. Almost 18 years ago, I watched the delivery of our first child. It was the first birth I had ever witnessed or seen in person, and man, it was amazing. Going into it, I wasn't quite sure if I was gonna be able to make it. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I don't handle medical stuff very well. I mean, in our birthing class leading up to that birth, I had to leave the room because I almost passed out and fainted when they showed us a cartoon drawing of a C-section. So when we stepped into the delivery room, I honestly didn't know if the nurses were gonna be spending more time helping Melissa or spending time helping me. But I made it through. I got to see the birth of my sweet princess and it was miraculous. Most amazing thing I've ever seen. But there was one moment in particular that I'll never forget. See, Melissa was, was going through the delivery. She had been laboring for hours. Her lips literally had turned purple because she was pursing them together so hard they bruised. And she reached the point of exhaustion. She began to murmur that she didn't know if she could keep going, that her strength was all but gone and she just wanted it to stop. But then the doctor said four of the most motivating words that any doctor in that situation could ever utter. She's starting to crown. And when we heard those words, our eyes got really, really big and wide as we looked at each other. Without saying anything, we just kind of knew, let's go. A few pushes later, our precious girl was laying on Melissa's chest and all the pain had turned into euphoria. You see, the labor had exhausted Melissa, but when she was reminded what the labor was producing, her strength was renewed and she was able to persevere through what to me looked like an impossible situation. And I think that's true of life in general as well. The labors of life, the pain and the, the pressure we experience, it can just get exhausting. It can make us wanna stop and just throw in the towel. But if we can remember what that labor is producing, and I think we can find the strength to keep pushing. This is where we begin to see the wisdom of Mary. You see, like Melissa, Mary had been laboring physically with her pregnancy for nine months. But unlike Melissa, Mary had to labor through all kinds of other pain and pressure as well. See, nine months earlier, an angel had appeared to this teenage girl telling her that even though she was a virgin, that she was gonna become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and then give birth to the Son of God, the Lord of all creation. If that wasn't enough to freak a girl out, she was engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, it doesn't take a genius to realize that when an unmarried 15-year-old girl starts to show, 
people are gonna talk. And what in the world might her fiance think about this situation? I mean, according to Jewish law, he could have had her stoned and killed under the accusation of adultery. This sweet girl just minding her own business one day, just trying to love God. When God sends an angel and completely hijacks her life, she didn't ask for any of this. But there she was, not only facing the reality of an unexpected pregnancy and the impending birth, but also laboring through the pain of the mental trauma, the pain of being socially ostracized, the pain of losing the trust of her soon-to-be husband, the pain of all the gossip, the pain of not being able to worship God with her community as she would have likely been removed from the synagogue and prevented from coming into the synagogue under the accusation of sexual immorality. But in the midst of all these circumstances and throughout the entire pregnancy, we see a pattern emerge in Mary's heart that reveals how truly wise beyond her years this young girl was. See, in Luke 1, as the angel explains to Mary what she's about to experience, Mary asks a clarifying question, but then she responds with this in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And a couple months later, she leaves Nazareth, likely to escape the constant judgment that she was receiving. She goes to visit her cousin 100 miles away. And when Elizabeth speaks a word of knowledge about the fact that she knows Mary is pregnant with the Lord, Mary doesn't take that as an opportunity to complain about how hard it's been or how unfair it's been or how this person has failed her there or that person has failed her here. No, instead she erupts and bursts into song. Luke 1, 38, 46 and 49 says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Now in the midst of her friends and family questioning her sanity, questioning her purity, questioning her devotion to God, Mary sings from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now how many of us have responded like this over the last two years? We've lost relationships. We felt like racial or political outsiders. People have said things about us or accused us of things that weren't true. We've been called names, we've struggled mentally, we've all been negatively impacted by our circumstances. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. My grandchildren will call me blessed. God has done great things for me. I'm not sure I've seen anyone post any of that on their social media profiles. I've seen name calling. I've seen people walk away from relationships that they previously said would be lifelong. I've received and read and seen all kinds of nasty emails. And why? Because life hasn't gone the way we wanted it to. The struggle has been real. The labor has been too much, too exhausting, and we've just wanted to throw in the towel. See, we've forgotten that labor is simply the precursor to something else. We gotta remember that God is wanting to burst something through us in this moment in history. See, despite her circumstances, Mary continued to labor in love, to trust that God was somehow blessing her through her circumstances, even though to everyone else, it looked like she was cursed. So we read in Luke 2, 18 and 19, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, this word treasured in the Greek is suntereo. 
It means to preserve something from being lost, to keep within oneself. It's the idea of holding something close so that it doesn't get lost. Now, about a month ago, my family and I went to Disney World over the week of Thanksgiving. We didn't realize Thanksgiving week is one of the busiest times at Disney World, so the crowds were pretty crazy. It was the first time our six-year-old daughter had ever been to a Disney show. She was just absolutely mesmerized. And knowing that her focus was all over the place and that we're walking amidst a sea of people everywhere we went, I held her hand as tightly as I possibly could and made sure that she never departed from my sight. Now, I wasn't worried that someone was going to come and snatch her away from me. I just knew that if I didn't keep my attention on her, if I didn't hold her close, that I might lose her in the midst of the crowd of all those people. See, I held her tight. I treasured my daughter. That's what this word means. The other word is ponder. It's the Greek word sumbalo. This word means to meet or encounter with hostility, to fight with. In this context, it means to wrestle with the thought of something, to not just take it at face value, but to come at it from different angles, to see it from all sides. In Acts chapter 17, the same word is translated as debate. It means to question your questions, to be suspicious of your suspicions. In other words, when Luke tells us that Mary treasured and pondered the message of the shepherds, he's saying that in the midst of her new reality, this 15-year-old new mother whose baby happens to be God in the flesh, in the midst of all the gossip and the slander and the accusations that she's endured and is likely going to face when she returns home, in the midst of her life being completely derailed by the purposes of God, Mary held tightly to the promises of God and wrestled with her circumstances in light of those promises. In other words, Mary continued to labor. Her heart filled with fears, her mind filled with questions, exhausted physically, emotionally, and psychologically, likely wanting it all to just stop. Mary kept pushing. And why? Because these shepherds had reminded her that there was a purpose to the labor. See, she fights to keep the promises of God close so as not to lose them amidst the crowd of her difficult circumstances. She's laboring in her love for God, laboring in her love for Joseph and her love for her people. She's laboring in her hope, fighting to hold on to the goodness of God in the midst of what must have been both an awesome and yet terrifying situation in her story. But that is what faith looks like. See, true faith isn't just rainbows and butterflies all the time. Sometimes faith looks like continuing to push through the pain and the discomfort, trusting that God is doing something that goes beyond you. The only thing Mary had received to this point was a promise, followed by nothing but inconvenience, rejection, discomfort, pain, and yet she keeps pushing. She keeps trusting. She keeps looking for what God wants to birth through her. See, in the midst of our labors, we have a choice to make. It's the same choice that Mary had to make here. We can either let our circumstances tell us a different story about who God is, or we can let who God is tell us a different story about our circumstances. To keep pushing, you have to keep your focus on what you know the labor is producing. Because labor is never just for labor's sake. It's always the precursor to the birth of something new. Which brings us to point number two, the birthing of promise. Let's back up a verse to verse 17 where it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
Now he's finally arrived after months of laboring through the spiritual, emotional, societal, mental, and physical pain. The Messiah, not just the hope of Mary's heart, but the hope of Mary's people. Emmanuel, God with us, has finally come. And he's covered in blood and amniotic fluid. He's small and wrinkled and all smushed up looking. He's crying. He's wrapped in sheep cloths, laying in a food trough, surrounded by manure, smelly animals, and shepherds. See, shepherds were the outcasts in Jewish culture. They were considered untrustworthy scoundrels and would have been the last people on earth that you would have wanted around your newborn baby. I mean, can you picture this scene? This is not the quaint little porcelain nativity set you have sitting on your mantle. It's smelly, it's dirty, it's bloody. It's a scene immersed in poverty and scandal with a newly married teenage girl who just became a first time mother to God in the flesh and has no clue what to do next. And this is the fulfillment of the promise the angel gave her nine months earlier, this? This certainly doesn't look like a generations will call me blessed kind of situation. There's nothing about this scene that looks miraculous or spectacular in any way. I mean, look, if I'm Mary, knowing what all the people back home have been saying about me, knowing what all the people back home are going to say about me when I come back in with a newborn baby that everyone knows doesn't belong to Joseph, the shaming, the rejection that I've been through. I mean, look, if I'm Mary... I'm expecting a sweet little eight pound, six ounce Jesus, baby Jesus to come out glowing or something. To come out looking in some kind of way that would redeem the last nine months of pain and prove to everyone that I'm not crazy or unfaithful. But that's not what she got. No, as best as she can tell, she got your normal run of the mill newborn baby boy. And anyone with kids knows what comes with a newborn baby. Yes, love and laughter but also sleep deprivation. Lots of dirty diapers, feeding and burping, followed by feeding and burping. Feelings of joy, followed by feelings of guilt and shame as you feel like you're failing as a first time parent. So now in addition to being the scandal of the town, she has to deal with all of that as well. And this is going to be her life for who knows how many years. But this is where we dive even deeper into Mary's wisdom. You see, it's wise to labor in love, to continue to wrestle with our frustrations while holding tight to the truth of who God is in those moments of laboring. What happens when you've labored and then the promise that is birth doesn't look anything like you thought it would? When you're left with more questions than answers. See, Mary realized what many of you maybe have realized over the last two years that oftentimes, shoot, most of the time, God's promises in our lives take time to grow into what they are ultimately meant to be. Or to put it another way, it takes time for us to see in the promises of God what God has envisioned all along. For Mary, it would take 30 years before God's promise would bloom as Jesus finally launched into his public ministry. And three more years before that promise would be fully realized. And for those 30 years, Mary had to shut out the voices of her accusers. She likely had to shout out the accusations playing in her own mind. I mean, I'm sure at times she questioned if her baby boy was truly the one to deliver her and her people. I mean, had she missed something? Or maybe had God forgotten about the promise that he had made? And yet for those 30 years, she continued to trust 
and wrestle. She continued to remember who her God was and what he had promised to do, not just in her, but through her. Which brings us to our last point, the embracing of responsibility. Remember what Mary treasured and pondered in her heart was the message that the angel delivered by these shepherds. And how did that message begin? Well, back up to verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, there are two parts to this message that I think stood out to Mary, given the context of her circumstances. First, the angel says that this good news is for all the people. See, Mary was reminded in that moment that everything she had gone through over the previous nine months, all the pain, all the rejection, all the isolation, that it wasn't just about her, but was what God was wanting to accomplish in the lives of others through her. It was good news for all the people. See, everything Mary had been through in the course of that year wasn't because God had failed her. It wasn't because her family or her friends had failed her. It wasn't punishment, nor was it neglect. It was ministry. See, it was God's preparing for the birthing of a promise that would bring about the healing and reconciliation in the lives of others. Mary didn't walk away from God or from her people just because things had gotten hard. She didn't shut down internally. And why not? Because she knew that God was doing something through her. And the way she responded would affect and impact the lives of all those around her. And I believe she fully grasped that responsibility because of the second part of the angel's message. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. See, this wasn't just the angel describing where this baby Messiah was going to be found. This was more importantly describing what this baby had come to do. See, if Mary didn't already understand this, then the fact that this this message was delivered by these shepherds would have certainly driven the point home for her. You see, the addition of shepherds to this nativity scene is what was needed to bring the message of the Messiah, the birth of the Messiah, to completion. And here's what I mean. See, though these shepherds were the lowest of the social class, they actually played an important role both in the economy and the religious system of Israel. See, sheep were not just an important part of the economy, They were also an essential piece of Israel's worship. See, once a year when Israel celebrated the Passover, each household was to offer up a lamb as a sacrifice to God. But it couldn't just be any old lamb. No, according to Numbers 6 and Exodus chapter 12, it had to be a male lamb born within the last year that was without blemish or defect. And according to the Mishnah and the Talmud, which are two books that recorded the uh, Jewish history, oral history in the ancient times, it was the responsibility of these shepherds to ensure that there was enough one-year-old male lambs without blemish available when the Passover feast rolled around. And so these shepherds had to pull triple duty as watchmen, defenders, and midwives, delivering these newborn lambs out in the fields. And since every firstborn male lamb was considered sacred and belonged to God and was to be set aside for the Passover, they had to ensure that these newborn lambs were carefully delivered, cared for, protected, so as not to break a bone or injure themselves and cause blemish or defect. 
Now to help the shepherds with this task, the priests would furnish the shepherds with consecrated temple cloths to swaddle these newborn lambs in. And it was customary for these shepherds upon delivering these lambs to place them in a manger, which was more likely carved out of stone than it was built out of wood, but they would set them in a manger, wrap them in swaddling cloths in order to inspect them and make sure that there was no, no spot, no blemish, no defect. So when the angels... When the angel says to these shepherds that they would find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, the shepherds would have recognized this wasn't some ancient form of geocaching where the angel was trying to tell them where to locate the baby. No, it was a proclamation of what this child king had come to do. He had come not just to be a lamb of God. He had come to be the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Mary, as a good Jewish girl, would have picked up on the symbolism as these shepherds delivered that message. Mary had to have realized she had just spent the last nine months of her life laboring. Had just been through the bloody, messy, painful, and amazing experience of giving birth to her precious baby boy. Also, he could give his life as a sacrifice to save his people. As Mary held her baby in her arms, she wasn't just embracing her child. She was embracing the responsibility that God had entrusted to her. The responsibility to steward that which would bring healing and freedom into the lives of others. What if everything we've been through these past two years and maybe longer for some of us, what if we saw the laboring that we've endured, not as God's taking something from us, but it's God's desire to burst something through us. What if instead of being angry about what has been lost, we instead focused on what God was wanting others to gain through our experiences? I think if we could do that, not only would our lives be filled with more hope, not only would this church be filled with more hope, but I think our city would be filled with more hope as well. And how can we keep that focus? How can we continue to look for ways to love others and be a blessing even when it feels like we ourselves are losing something? Well, for Mary, it was by remembering what her baby boy was going to do. But for us, it's by remembering what Mary's baby boy has done to save you and to save me. Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God who willingly died so that you and I could live. Jesus, who when he felt the full weight of the responsibility that God had asked him to labor in, while kneeling in a garden, cried out, Father, if there's any other way to give birth to your salvation, then save me from this pain, yet not my will, but your will be done. The labor in that moment had become too much. Jesus was exhausted and couldn't go on, but then he was reminded of what all his labor was going to give birth to. And the Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He then allowed himself to be falsely accused, rejected, beaten, and ultimately crucified. See, when you consider Jesus, when you remember that he willingly endured the wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to, when you remember that you were the joy set before him that enabled him to keep on laboring, to keep pushing, to keep trusting God to burst something through him that would bring life to you, then 
you can find the strength to keep trusting, keep pushing, keep laboring through your own difficulties, knowing that the life of Christ is being birthed through you in a way that will bring healing and freedom into the lives of others. So when that person says that hurtful thing or calls you that hurtful name, remember God is wanting to birth something through you that impacts their lives. When that person cuts off the relationship, remember God is wanting to birth reconciliation through you in that person's life. Or maybe you're the one who said or did the thing that was hurtful or hateful. Remember God is wanting to birth something in that person through you in the way you repent and ask for forgiveness. Remember, giving life to another always requires some kind of laboring on your part. You can try to avoid it, and you might achieve a life of comfort and ease, but in the process, you will never birth anything that is life-giving to the people around you. So my prayer is that as we head into this new year, we will learn from the wisdom of Mary And rather than letting our circumstances tell us a different story about who our God is, we'll let who our God is tell us a different story about our circumstances. My prayer is that you will keep pushing, keep trusting, keep remembering that God is growing something in you and that a moment is coming when what God bursts through your circumstances will impact not just you, but generations to come. My prayer is that your children and your grandchildren one day will look back on this moment in history and they will hear you tell of the stories of all the pain and all the difficulty and all that God did in you and through you in the lives of others and that they will call you blessed. I hope you can say amen to that. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Or in the last two years, in the midst of all the difficulties, all the uncertainties, all the pain, all the isolation, all the discomfort, Lord, your purpose has remained and your love has endured. Lord, we allowed ourselves to get distracted. We've allowed ourselves to be, to be led astray by our circumstances. And Lord, we just, we just say we're sorry and we ask for forgiveness. And pray, Lord, as we head into this new year, that you would give us new eyes to look back on the last two years to see all that you've been preparing us for, all that you've been wanting to birth in us and through us to impact the world around us. But I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, to run this race with perseverance, to endure through the labor, knowing that what you're doing in us and through us is ultimately not about us. Jesus, the way you laid your life down for us, may we now lay our lives down for others. May we look for those opportunities to love, those opportunities to be a blessing. And ultimately, Lord, in the midst of everything that we have lost in reality, would you help us remember, if we've gained you, we have all that we need. So Lord, I pray, speak to our hearts. Lord, for those who don't know you, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Help us to be the kind of church, the kind of people who despite our circumstances, people will look to us and see our good deeds and praise our Father who is in heaven. We love you, we praise you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.